What is up, everybody? Welcome to this Trainwreck Sports Podcast, where we are here to pay the bills. And you know what? What a week to what a week to be here. What a week to be paid. We've. I feel like if we, our bills were getting paid, this if we were getting paid, like that we got like a a million dollars on Sunday. Like the week before, it was like, oh, you're gonna get you know Monday night. The hype is high, huge game. This could be the bounce back. And it was like, yeah, actually. Uh, we don't have money in the budget this week, so none of you guys are getting anything. And this week, they hit us with the double, the triple, the quadruple, all the holiday bonuses. Uh, so we're feeling good. Vibes are – well, we're going to see how the vibes are with everybody. But uh, Jake Micah joined, as always, here by my co-host, Michael Partham, and Carson Hayek back for the second week in a row. Carson, thank you again for joining. Uh, we'll start with you, Mike. How are your vibes coming out of Sunday's <laughs> – Huge 32 to 6 victory over the New York football jets. Jake, it's a festivus miracle, is all I gotta say. <laughs> I mean, where did this come from? Where was this all year? I mean, of all the teams, uh, the great horcrux of Josh Allen and the Bills for the last year and a half or two years, we didn't just overcome them, we annihilated them more than more so than any other team has this year so far a great defense a lot of defense pretty much the only bright spot on that team and we just went out and made them look like fools so let's get into this hell yeah how about you how you feeling carson uh you know the vibes are so high right now but i'll tell you what i don't want to get i don't want to be the one that gets caught on too much of a high remember you know james cook scores that touchdown and i text my friends i'm like hey the bills are so bad and the response I get was, okay, take it easy, buddy. It's the Jets. So, you know, I'll tell you what, though. They come into Philadelphia and they, they they get a win. Oh, we're back. We are back. That's how close I am right now. So, I mean, I think the vibes are high, but you got to give it at least one more week. All right. Well, we, all right. Well, you're so you're tempering it a little bit, Carson. Mike's pretty hyped up. I My vibe's all the way there. All the way there. I was watching that game last night, and I tweeted out that the Eagles are food, and that's that's where I'm at with this Bills confidence level. But let's get into last week's game because it it whatever it did, go ahead, Mike. Whatever it was, if it looked different, felt different, one way or the other, it, it there was something. I'm the back, so we got to reflect them now. Yeah, there we go. The, the, <laughs> that's a great touch for where we're at with this game. Like everything <laughs> felt right about. The Bills, like it just felt like the Bills that we've seen from the last couple years uh, with Josh Allen started off with a couple design runs. I think Maniac tweeted out today, like the fact that they were willing to let Allen go out there and whether that was a Dorsey thing, whether it was a McDermott thing, maybe we'll never actually know. But there was that was like the first sign of intent, like this is going to be the Bills getting back to themselves. And you see some numbers today from a lot of the EPA stats and how this is the second least efficient offensive performance from the bills this year. And I to say to that, maybe some high variance is exactly what the Buffalo bills need. Maybe efficiency and being a low positive team is not what this Buffalo bills team thrives off of. Mike, what do you think? You, I know that you probably studied, start studying through and look through the stats today and everything. And I just don't think it, I think that all year it's been a war between the bills performance and what the advanced statistics say. And I feel like Sunday was the biggest difference because that was the most comfortable and the most explosive the Bills offense felt, obviously. And then it doesn't reflect on, on these things. So how do we go into like each week looking at these things, you know, as the discourse starts through the week? I mean, less and less. I mean, what EPA per play and DVOA are, are 
measures of moving the ball, not scoring per se. They're based on uh, longer fields, less explosive plays, more plays per drive, invite more variability and the possibility of error. That's what I learned from Bruce Nolan a couple weeks ago. And, and success rate, that's also a per play thing where you get a percentage of the yardage you need on first, second, and second down. And of course, on third and fourth down, you want to just get the first down as it is. Um, and I actually threw a tweet out to uh, some of the cover one guys uh, just today, including Aaron, with my evaluation of success rate. Because let's say you have the Khalil Shakir 80-yard pass. That's a single play. That's only measured as one success. But let's say you took uh, your next drive or a, an alternate drive was a 10-play 80-yard drive. Now, that's 10 plays in which you had success on. That's 10 plays that, that contribute to your success percentage. The one play is just as valuable as the 10-play drive with less time, of course, uh, taken up by it. But if you take time possession out of it, they generally just generate the same amount of points, but they're not going to contribute the same amount to success rate because it's only one play on the clear secure play. So you could have theoretically that be your first play of the game and then your next series be a three and out. Now that would generate at least thus far in the game, 25% success rate. But let's say you had the 10 play 80 yard drive and then you went three and out. Now you have 10 out of 13 plays of success and that's going to make your numbers look a lot better as far as that particular statistic goes, but you still get a touchdown either way. So success rate EPA DVOA can be a little deceiving as far as, you know, it can, it, can, it can be indicative of how successful you are in the majority of your plays. But if some of your plays are so explosive that you just get a touchdown like that, then what does it really matter? I mean, I I don't want to seem one, like one of those shake their fist at the clouds guys. I'm, maybe I'm getting a little old for this. Maybe we all are. But uh, I don't think it's so critical to look at EPA and DVOA and success rates as long as you're scoring the points you need it, however you get them. Um, I don't think it, it's that big of a difference. Uh, Aaron Quinn on cover one is all about toxic differential. Uh, your explosive plays and your turnovers combined. And I think that's combined uh, is a lot more critical than your success on each individual play, which will invite a lot of variability like turnovers, penalties, and other things that can disrupt your ability to score in any given drive. Uh, Carson, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I think you hit on it. Like at the end of the day, it's so results driven, like the business. So like, I don't care how it's done. Just put points on the board. You know, like you said, one play is definitely one way to do it for the success rate compared to a 10 play. And you know, that the 25% compared to the 10 of 13, I agree. Like, I don't care how it's done to me. It's just get the job done. And I'm, I was, you know, I, when you're talking about Ken Dorsey, the number one thing that the number one thing that comes up is always, you know, the expected or the EPA and stuff like that. But it was really never translate to real points. Like it was a team that always moved the ball, but you know when it came to scoring points, they couldn't do it. So whether it was a turnover, bad sack, penalty, whatever it was, like it just couldn't happen. I think that's where Dorsey was a little unfortunate. You know, whether it was him or some of the guys on the offense or just pure luck, I, I think that's where he became a little unfortunate. But you know, it was great to see you know us punching it in, being a little aggressive even in the third quarter. So I, I loved that. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you completely because like the the underlying numbers were never the issue with Dorsey, but there was a I think Cover One Eric Turner put out today that the 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 flow and the the way that the the scheme was not drastically different. The Bills did not attack these teams differently in, in a schematic way, but the flow of the game 
and when they called plays and how they and how they kind of you know let loose on some of these plays was what Joe Brady did differently. And I think Mike and I we talked about that a lot like the last couple of weeks that we our biggest issue with Dorsey was that it seemed like everything was so formulaic. Like it was like at this time we're gonna call this at this we're gonna do this. And Joe Brady felt like it was like it just felt like it was more in the flow, in the rhythm of what the offense was doing within the game and what the defense was showing them too. That 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 mesh touchdown play that they run and you get the defense moving side to side is set up because they were moving that defense side to side the whole game, opening up the middle of the field. Josh Allen was not – that was one of my biggest issues with Allen all year was that it doesn't look like he was taking advantage of the middle of the field. And you look at the passing chart for this game and there's so many darts over the middle, so much Kincaid over the middle and, and Shakir obviously over the middle too. Like they were – they were just taking advantage of things they didn't seem to be taking advantage of during the year. Um, but I think, you know, all the talk about success rate, all the talk about EPA, whatever else, the success rate I like to look at is points per game. And the Bills scored 30 points in this game. So, I mean, you can sit there and be like, yes, they weren't as efficient. They weren't as everything else. But clearly there was some sort of issue going on. This team was who was one of the most dynamic offenses in the league for the last couple of years who could put up these huge points per game efforts and everything else they hadn't done it in five six weeks and regardless of their efficiency level they put up 32 points against what we said like we said a great defense mind you the offense for the jets obviously basically non-existent in this game their best quarterback backing play was from the punter zach wilson got demoted not just the second string but third string after this game like there they had a lot of issues going on garrett wilson was basically a non-factor with whatever his uh, big pad he had on his arm and the injury that he was playing through. And I think that kind of probably uh, contributed to his fumble later on in the game and everything else. But this is, remember, just think of, and I know it's week one and you don't want to take week one into account. It's basically the preseason going on. But this offense looked lost week one against this defense. And you you transform it 11 weeks or 10 weeks later and a defense who was still performing at a high level. They were, I think there have been a top five defense by most metrics throughout the mm-hmm. season. And the Bills just, it looked easy. Even the drives, you know, I saw, I, I tried to stay off the timeline a little bit, except uh, our game, our live coverage, because I couldn't deal with the, the roller coaster of emotions in this game. And when I did check at halftime, people were still losing their minds. Like, oh, we're just kicking field goals. We're do- and I'm like, I thought I was watching a different game. I was like, am I crazy? Because it feels like this offense is moving. Like, it felt like last year's offense, where even if they couldn't finish, or the last couple of years, where even if they couldn't finish drives, they were pushing into the red zone. They were having time of possession. They were having these longer sustained drives. Not with, And they weren't ending them at the 30 after, like you said, Carson, like a, a big sack or a turnover or a fumbled snap or anything like that. Like, and it, and it turned out to pay off in the second half where they had the big explosive play and then the pass to Ty Johnson, who who would have thought Ty Johnson would be the biggest beneficiary of a Joe Brady offense. But I feel like there was uh, there was just a, a difference in the way that they decided to attack it. And maybe it was just the energy. Maybe it was just the vibes. I mean, Mike, what, is, what did Josh Allen mean when he said, I think I'm back? What do you think that that means? Well, let's just take a look at some of the things that they were able to do against this Jets team that you were saying – you mentioned how good their defense has been all season. Most points allowed by the Jets all season, even more so than the Cowboys got on them. They gave up the second most yards that they have all season, and that's with a conservative fourth quarter, mind you. The Jets haven't given up 32-plus points since December 5th of 2021, and they hadn't allowed a wide receiver to a, a touchdown to a wide receiver since our own Stefan Diggs in week one. And even then they were holding us, you know, under uh, to 16 points or so. 
As far as Josh Allen goes, this is the first time in 11 games against the Jets that he's thrown three touchdowns against any Jets defense, let alone this recent one. He's smiling. He looks like he's enjoying himself. He's out there saying, I'm back. And who are we to not trust him? I mean, like we like we said in the last, even when we beat the Jets last year, it looked like the Jets were uh, uh, containing the Bills in so many different ways. And for us to just break out against this particular defense, regardless of how their offense was uh, just sputtering and just tripping over itself, literally and figuratively at times, uh, to put up that kind of amount of points against one of the best defenses in this league uh, makes me confident for going into pretty much any other game that we have uh, coming up. Definitely. How about you, Carson? Oh, Carson, the mute monster got you. Mute monster. <laughs> You're right. It did get me. You're right. It did. But um, <laughs> as far as Josh Allen back, I, I think so, man. Like for starters, I'll, I'll disclaim it. I don't think he was, you know, ever, ever like bad, but like the turnovers, like if we can eliminate that, like the one interception, obviously unfortunate, but like, I think he's back. And that's, that's, that's such a thing I'm looking forward to. Well, the one interception going off a of Hail Mary rather than going on the same uh, yeah. whatever route that is on the sideline that we saw at least three or four times this year over and over, that's certainly encouraging. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. no kidding. Um, and I haven't even – I was like, yeah, maybe we'll still get some narratives this week from – and maybe we still will get it later in the week, but maybe Thanksgiving will help that too. Of Like, oh, but Josh Allen still turned the ball over even if it was the – even if it was the Hail Mary at the end. Um was into the it was into the wind a little bit there too. He still got that thing down there into the wind, which was still just so damn Actually, impressive to see. From what I understand, uh, Joe from the Overreaction podcast over at the uh, Buffalo Rumblings, according to him or according to other people, he said there there really wasn't any wind in the stadium. Oh, okay. Nothing that affected the hail mary or the miss uh, extra point or anything to that effect. At least right. from people on the ground. Well, see, this is why I don't check Twitter during halftime or any of these times during the game. Because everybody's like, why are you throwing that into the wind? And I'm like, whatever. It's a Hail Mary at the end of the half. Let's just uh, let's keep it rolling there. But, yeah, it was a it was it was an encouraging effort all along. Like you said, can the Bills can the Bills attack defenses like this the rest of the year and have success? I think that they can. And we'll get into some of the teams that they have coming up, because obviously the biggest stretch of the season, even before the season was starting, we knew this would be the biggest stretch of the season coming up. But now we're going to sit here and look at this stretch where they're six and five and the AFC is really a wide open conference. You look at the bills, they're a game and a half out of the division. They're two games out of the conference lead. Like this is a, a cluster of teams right now. But the biggest thing I'm going to have about is the defense who obviously was impressive against, you know, Zach Wilson and Tim Boyle and, whatever whatever the Jets were throwing out there. But they have the test coming up in the next couple of weeks, obviously. The, the Eagles this week, they'll have a bye. Going to Kansas City, who Kansas City is still struggling offensively. I think the stat today I saw was that the Chiefs have zero points in the second half in the last – For three week. straight games, yes. For three straight games, yeah, which and is the insane. only other teams who have done that uh, that have gone on to the Super Bowl or maybe have done that – and gone to the I forget what the stat was, but all I know is that the 2000 Ravens and the 2015 Broncos also went three games without uh points in the second half, and of course, they both won their respective Super Bowls off of legendary, you know, all time defenses. And that that Casey defense has been nasty all year long, but let's talk about Philly first because obviously that's next up on the, on the schedule. Um, they were able to affect Mahomes in that second half, but also. 
Mahomes throws a bad pick in the red zone after a nice drive and could have had the game winning touch. The game winning touchdown literally was in Marquez Valdez Scandling's hands and he and he dropped it there in a very uh sad Bills fans memory, Stevie Johnson S drop. I feel like it looked like to me. And the the thing about the Eagles defense is we know that that D line is going to be, you know, difficult to play against going forward, but the offense hurts really, really struggled under press. And this has been my, my biggest knock on hurts since he took over this starting job for the Eagles is that they have had such a perfect roster and such a great team that he has rarely had to be pushed in situations where he needed to go out and make things happen. Right. Like he's what, how many times have we had to see, Jalen Hurts in his career puts put on the Superman cape like a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen or even a Lamar Jackson. It's very few and far between. Like the the situations have been perfect, and in that first half, the Chiefs are getting pressure on him. They're sending the simulated pressures like they always do. Like we've talked about, Mike, that Sean McDermott has loved this year, and they affected Hurts. And he's didn't still doesn't look right running the ball. I know he had the rushing touchdown last night. But he's still affected by that knee injury. Troy Aikman even mentions on the broadcast that he thinks that this injury is going to affect Hurts for the rest of the year. And we obviously that they know those announcers know more than we do going forward and know what they've heard talking to Hurts and talking to Mahomes during the week. And so I think that this Bills defense, even if it's patchwork and you know, they've got the injuries, and obviously the secondary injuries are going to be what we're looking at all week between wrapped, between you know, uh, Cam Lewis and Taron Johnson and everybody who is who was hurt this last couple of weeks. We'll see if uh, Dane Jackson's able to come back and everything. But they've played even with that, the injuries and that they've had and everything else. Like even a couple of weeks ago, you look at the matchup against Cincinnati and we're like, oh, man, what is the secondary going to be able to do against Jamar Chase and T Higgins? Dane Jackson had like the best game, I think, of his career. Like he was all over the place. If he can be on the field, Benford's been great been solid all year long and Douglas makes plays every single game. Like, and he looks like he's getting more and more comfortable. So I think with this, the way that the Philly offense, the, at least the passing game, Mike, I don't think that the bills are going to necessarily have trouble stopping hurts through the air, even with the receivers, even with the injuries to the secondary, because of the way we've seen McDermott kind of attack other offenses. And this D line has been amazing all year. I mean, Leonard Floyd is what he's at nine and a half sacks now on the year. Like this is, they have had, I mean, Ed Oliver, if you look at every pressure rate for D tackles, he's like leading the league or one of the top five guys in pressures from the D tackle position. Rousseau, Epineza have had great years. So how do you feel about the bills just from the passing defense perspective against Hertz? Because I think, we know that Philly's going to want to run the ball against the Bills' defense, and that's going to be the biggest test. But if the Bills can get them into third and six, third and seven, third and eight, how do you think that uh, this defense will fare against Philly? There's this little nugget that I saw as of week six that I saved because I knew we were going to be facing Philly down the road. Uh, it's about Jalen Hurts throwing outside the pocket. Now, keep in mind, this is as of week six. I don't know how much better he's gotten since then. Uh, last night, he only threw for 150 yards. He got sacked five times for negative 26 yards. So looks like he's gettable from a, a passing standpoint. But as of week six, throwing outside the pocket, Jalen Hurts had a passer rating of 49.3. Only 30% completion percentage and average of two yards per attempt, mind you. So getting Hertz out outside the pocket, generating pressure on him, yeah, you can make him less than a sub-par quarterback out there. Uh, 
I, I'm not as impressed with Philly as I might have been last year. And as far as like uh, Philly's defense and their pass rush is concerned, uh, I haven't been able to get the stance on their defense right now. But I mean, from what I remember, they were just uh, making a feast out of all these NFC East quarterbacks that they were uh, taking down on a week-to-week basis. And then they get to the Super Bowl and they can't even touch uh, Mahomes as far as I remember. And it was just a shootout game, uh, 30 plus points per each team. So I'm still confident in our defense. I'm still confident in guys like Rasul Douglas going out there and uh, what's his stat line? Four tackles, three pass breakups, two interceptions, one fumble recovery, and a partridge in a pear tree. Happy holidays, everybody. Uh, Tyrell Dodson got, went out there, got seven tackles, a sack, and a yes. fourth fumble. We have con- contributions from guys in this you know duct tape defense somebody's got to trademark that call it the duct tape defense put it in one of the you know named defenses of all time uh but these guys whether it's the next man up or the next next man up everybody seems to be in the right place at the right time and that's really all you need to be you don't need to be a super athlete uh or you know a generational player which i hope von miller can get back to being at one of these days uh i've let me see where I wrote this. John Fina on one of the Buffalo on his own Buffalo Rumblings podcast. According to him, he says that Von Miller is closer to being impact player with every week that he's trusting his body more. They don't necessarily achieve that in practice. You can only do that in a game uh, time. And it has, it's only been close to a year since he's had his injury. And we know Trey white took a, took his time uh, getting back to form after he had a year off from an injury. Yep. Um, and he only seemed to be uh, getting back up to form this very year after an entire offseason. So, yeah, we've got guys step- stepping up where others are still trying to catch up. So, I feel pretty good against uh, Philadelphia with our defense right now. Carson, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, the part that's – I think we're going to hang up – I think we're going to be just fine. But the problem that scares me is the secondary against – A.J. Brown, out of the 10 games that they've played, he's been their leading receiver seven different times. And on top of that, you match him up with Devontae Smith as well. And they're obviously without Goddard, which is huge for us. But I feel, you know, if we can – it's similar to me, like, with the Jets, with Garrett Wilson. It's about – if you can slow A.J. Brown down, I like our chances to win. Devontae Smith is good, don't get me wrong. But A.J. Brown, without a doubt, having one of the best seasons in a while as a wide receiver. So, I mean, if – I'm a huge fan of our defense. I just feel if we, you know, if we can get after Hurts, banged up left knee, they could not stop talking about it at the broadcast last night. So I feel if we can get after him, Leonard Floyd does his thing, and maybe Von Miller contributes. Like, that would be fantastic. But one week at a time, I will say Von looks – he's getting there a little bit from what I can tell, but it's 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 rough. Like, Zach, Zach said um, at the game the other night that we should get the – the graveyard shift guy from tops down the street instead of him. But that was, that was, that was hilarious. But I, I don't know, man, it's, it's tough with Vaughn. I, I, I want to see him succeed so bad, especially with that contract. But right now it just doesn't look like he's a hundred percent. And I really like Leonard Floyd and Greg Rousseau coming off the edges this game. So, I mean, if we can contain AJ Brown to probably less than a hundred yards, I, I really do like our chances to win. And they're, they're a physical football team. So we got to bring our stuff. The one thing I did notice, and I didn't haven't rewatched this game, and it's just from the, the naked eye of just watching the TV broadcast and everything else. But I try to watch when Vaughn's reps have been out there the last couple of weeks, and it still seems like like even with this game, and obviously Zach Wilson was ineffective. No matter if us three were on that defensive line, he probably would have been ineffective. But they were still scheming plays away from Vaughn, like they're running play action, 
and they're running away from Von. Or if they're rolling Zach out, he's rolling away from Von. Or they're shifting like Von was. They're not giving him the opportunity to get there either. And it does look like he has a little bit more of the burst than he's had at least from a couple weeks ago. And it hasn't resulted sure. in the sacks or big plays or anything yet. But like you said, Mike, it hasn't even been a like this week will be the year the year mark of him tearing his ACL. And so he's really like now like hopefully getting back into that form because this is what people have called a two-year injury, like coming back from these ACLs. Like, yes, people, guys, can get back on the field from it earlier than they're, than you used to be able to, say, 10, 15 years ago. But to be, get back to your, like, top athleticism takes a little longer. And maybe Vaughn will be rounding into form right around now, and that's what they were kind of hoping for with this ramp-up period when you come into these big games and hope that he can come and have an impact. Is it possible that uh, people were let down by his generous uh, prediction of being able to be ready week one? <laughs> of course, we all even knew at that point how much how op- overly optimistic Von Miller is, but still him uh, sort of giving that sort of goal yeah. for himself and not being active and even for the first few weeks. Uh, is Were the expectations a little too high coming into the season, you think? You guys, for sure. For sure. And I, maybe he could have been on the field week one, too, for all we know, too. But I feel like what we would have seen is more likely the same as this. And that's probably what the the coaching staff decided, whether he was healthy technically enough to be on the field. I think they made the right decision because clearly he wouldn't have been healthy enough to make a real impact on the field. So, yeah, I think definitely optimistic Von. I I appreciate Von Miller, the man, for being as optimistic and speaking, uh, speaking things into existence like he does but as a football fan and as a bills fan i can understand why you're like man von i just wish you wouldn't uh say some of these things because maybe you know we wouldn't have thought that deandre hopkins or odell beckham would be a buffalo bill or these other other things going on but other than that um i am very encouraged by what this defense has looked like and what i saw last night from watching that game and just watching those two teams you know they were it was a good football game it was a fun game to watch but those teams both have flaws like Mahomes is searching for answers he's throwing to Justin Watson 12 times a game like that is not what they envisioned coming into this year at all but that defense is really strong and Philly like you said Carson they they couldn't stop mentioning that Jalen Hurts has that knee issue and for a guy that you know really thrives off his mobility and not just his mobility but just being in the running game like coach Nick Sirianni local uh, Lakewood, New York native run. It, they really run like a high school offense where they're just running their, their read options at you all game. They run swift. They'll run Boston Scott. They'll run Gainwell, and they'll run Hertz and Hertz has not been able to be used as the weapon that he usually can. And I feel like it takes that dynamicism out of the, out of the run game for them. And that's what would worry me the most it going into this matchup is we know how susceptible this bills defense can be a Sean McDermott defense can be, to a great rushing attack. And I don't think that Philly is going to be as potent uh, this Sunday as they have been in the past. What do you think, Mike? Uh, I'll defer to Carson. Yeah. Yeah. So I was looking at it right now. They're leading rushers. I mean, typically as of late, they've been spread out. But weeks two and three, Swift, 175 yards was their leading rusher. And then the next week, week three, 130 yards. After that, they have not had a leading rusher over 72 yards, which is Jalen Hurts in week five. So they obviously spread the ball out. I saw Boston Scott get in the mix a little bit last night along with Kenny Gainwell. So really, I think it comes down to whether or not our defensive line and our linebackers can handle the physicality of, you know, Philadelphia. They, they, 
came into our house a few years ago back in the Carson Wentz days and just manhandled our, our front four. And that cannot happen again. So I think it comes down to whether or not the defensive line can really hang with the physicality of that offensive line for Philly. And if we can, sure. I, I don't see how, how they're going to be able to run it down our throat. Speaking of going into somebody's house, a little factoid, the Bills have not won in Philadelphia since 1996. Now, part of that is the infrequency of facing the NFC and yeah. alternating your uh, sites, but still something uh, to look out for. Huh. That's that's a crazy stat. I do remember the, uh, I believe, probably the last game in Philly would have been uh, the LaShawn McCoy return game, and I think it was a Bills, I can't remember the score, it was about twenty, maybe 24-19, 26 21 it was basically the death of the bills playoff hopes that year vividly remember watching that just because of that that fact to begin with now we don't have to talk well i guess this year we have to talk about the bills playoff hopes going forward more than we've ever had to as they're sitting at six and five and that's a good segue into our last topic before we get into our our predictions for the game because the afc man is a it's a cluster there's a lot of in the hunt but even the teams in the playoff spots right now like we said, they have, there's a lot of flaws and there's going to be a lot of room for movement. So I just want to kind of walk through the schedules of some of these teams real quick and just get your guys like quick impressions of them. Let's start with the Miami Dolphins, who the Bills are only a game and a half back of right now. Their schedule remaining at the Jets, at the Commanders, home to the Titans, home to the Jets, and then it gets tough home to the Cowboys at the Ravens, and then obviously week 18 hosting the Bills. So Carson, how do you feel about the Dolphins schedule? They're seven and three right now. If I had to give you a prediction for their record, what would you think it would be quick? Finishing the year, I think they're probably going to finish 11 and six, hmm. which will give us a chance, I think, at the division. If we can focus on our, if we can, you know, focus on ourselves in that week 18 game, huge. That's where it's going to be the deciding factor, I think. As of this week, the Dolphins are still consistently losing to winning teams and beating up on uh, mid to lower tier teams. If you follow that logic, yes, eleven and six is what you would end up getting. Well, that that could set up for a if we have a you know eleven and five Dolphins and a ten and six Bills, which seems like it could be if the Bills go on a nice little. Uh, run here obviously that's what we would ideally be 10 and 6 maybe get a split or two and one of these next couple tough games that'll be a sunday night football afc east title game uh that just be a little bit stressful but i am i think that that is the you know everybody's been talking about making the playoffs and everything else the division still is not out of reach especially if you get a huge win this week against philly the chiefs let's run through their schedule quick mike chiefs at raiders uh at packers hosting the Bills, at the Patriots, hosting the Raiders, hosting the Bengals, at the Chargers. Feels like a pretty easy schedule for the Chiefs. Don't Doesn't feel like they're going to really get tested. That Bills game, obviously the toughest one left there with the Burrow injury. Maybe 13-4? and four. That, Yeah, that's I, mean, I mean, they might get into a shootout with the Chargers at the very end, but I don't see anybody that uh, besides us that can really match their uh, offense. As, be- as sputtering as it is, I don't really see anybody scary here. Agreed. 12 and five, I'd say probably that's my take. Sure. Yeah, I'm with that. All right, let's go to the Jags, who the biggest game in the NFL this week besides Bills Eagles. Who would have thought the Jaguars in Houston at the Texans? Then they host the Bengals at the Browns, host the Ravens at the Bucks, host the Panthers at the Titans. 
that's a this is a tough stretch for the we're gonna really learn about the Jags in the next four games. I mean that Bengals game would have been a bigger deal, but I feel like if and then I'll I'll mention the Texans here too quick as because we kind of have to lump them together. They host the Jags, host the Broncos, go to the Jets, go to the Titans, host the Browns, host the Titans at the Colts. The Texans schedule is way easier going forward. So this game, Carson, on Sunday is huge in the AFC South and for the playoff race in general, because if the Jags lose this one, they could really start slipping up in a couple of those games down the stretch, I feel like. Yeah, the, the Jags are such a patchy football team. I mean, they start the season off average at best. Then, they, then the, you know, it started to turn when they beat us. They go on an absolute heater, get absolutely destroyed at home against the Niners. But, I, I mean, I, I still have them taking the division, I think. I, I love C.J. Stroud and what he's done. But it's just it just feels like they're still lacking just the it factor on that Houston team. They've come away with a lot of close wins and convincing wins. Just I don't think I don't think it's their time yet. All right. The only things I see from the Jaguars are facing the Texans who have been on a hot streak as of late and the Ravens. Everybody else is either banged up at quarterback or is just not as much of a threat as they are. So I'd say the Jags are well on their way to winning the division unless the Texans beat them this Sunday and make a run of it. Well, that's a great segue into our next team because you you didn't give any credit to this team. The Cleveland Browns, seven and three. Mm. A half a half game behind the AFC East or AFC North leading Ravens. They've Browns got are going to be the Jets of the North. Head <laughs> offense, living off their defense. They really have it, and they they escaped that Steelers game this week. Obviously, thirteen to ten, and DTR does enough. But you know, Matt Canada gets fired after it. <laughs> yeah, who didn't escape? Matt Canada. <laughs> Matt Canada did not escape. So they the go in season go coaching change for the Steelers since 1941. That's fucking crazy, man. Wow. I saw that stat earlier today. That is insane. This Brown, this Brown seem to, I'm with you. I think on the way this Brown, like they're going to turn into a pumpkin here soon at the Broncos this Sunday. Feels like the Broncos can win that game. Honestly, like the way that, the, like that's going to be an ugly ass game, but you put DTR on the road against that Broncos defense. It could get scary. Then they go to the Rams. Tricky game. We already said they host the Jags, host the Bears, which the Bears had an awesome performance this week against the Lions. I mean, they come away with a loss, but Justin Fields was incredible, had over 100 yards rushing, um, had a great passing game in his first game back. Then they go to the Texans, host the Jets at the Bengals. So we're not we're not believers in the Browns here. You think that there was a, that's about a 500 finish? They're about a 10 and 7, 9 and 18. Yeah. Looks like it. I mean, I can see them beating the Bears, more or less. Uh, probably the Jets. I mean, that's going to be a defensive struggle the next to last game of the uh, the season. Yeah. I yeah, I'd say I'd Go say ahead. nine and eight. DTR has got to make a big, a few big plays in each game. I think for that team to to make it to ten and seven. If they get ten and seven, I think they probably get in. But you know that division is going to cannibalize itself. I think so. He, he's going to have to make a few big plays, and that defense is phenomenal, and they're going to have to keep that up. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that's. I mean, we could go through the Steelers, but I feel like the Steelers are a broken team. They got at the Bengals this week. Uh, host the Cardinals. They, host the Pats. They, at the Colts. Go ahead. Yeah, they seem to have a fav- have a favorable schedule that I'm seeing. I'm they seeing do. what you're seeing: uh, the Bengals, the Cardinals, Patriots, Colts. Bengals again, Seahawks and Ravens. They actually beat the Ravens, recall, week five, uh, 17 to 10, with a Matt Canada offense, mind you. 
So, yeah. and we've seen what uh, a different new offensive coordinator, how they can spark a, a struggling uh, offensive team. But of course, you know, who's their quarterback again? I'm blanking Kenny on Pickett. him. Pickett's no Josh Allen, of just course. A, just a, it's a tough quarterback name. It really is. You, you got a quarterback named Pickett. It's, <laughs> it's really just, it's really unfortunate. Well, having a, a coordinator named Nate Hackett or something. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then you look at the rest. We don't go through any more schedules, but the Colts, Denver, Cincinnati, all at five and five, the Raiders at five and six. Like really what it comes down to is the Buffalo Bills. Obviously, this is the three toughest game stretch, maybe of anybody else in the league, but they come out of this two and one. And then you're looking at, you know, the, the last couple of games there on the schedule with the Chargers, the reeling Chargers, who Brandon Staley is blaming his offense for all their issues when they've had one of the worst defenses um, and ha- and no longer have their Bosa available to them. You got the Patriots, who the Bills will, I'm sure, be looking to have a better performance against at home. It's really sizing up nicely if the Bills, if this week's vibes were not, you know, fool's gold. If it wasn't just uh, them beating a lame duck, Zach Wilson, and and getting a new jump with a, with some different, not a different scheme, but some different looks from Brady. Because this, like you said, this Philly t- or this Philly team is obviously the class of the NFC right now. And like you said, Carson, they're going to, if Philly wins this game, they're going to dominate in the trenches. The offensive line has been elite for years. Their defensive line is really strong. It's going to be one of the biggest tests of the year for the Bills. Uh, much improved offensive line this year, but still uh, a big test for them nonetheless. So as we get out of here, as we wrap up, I'm putting Mike on the spot first. I need a score predict. It's only Tuesday, too. But I need a prediction for Sunday at 4.30, Bills at Eagles. Those beautiful Kelly Green uniforms on our screen. We get another week of Nance and Romo. How are we feeling? I'm feeling pretty good about the offense all of a sudden. I'm seeing uh, encouraging things from Joe Brady all of a sudden. Uh, pre-snap motions, scheming players open, using players outside of Diggs and Kincaid here, uh, using running backs in the passing game, uh, utilizing the middle of the field as you touched on, and yards after catch on the majority of our touchdowns. So let's just say uh, at least 20 points. Uh, 24-17 sounds like a good score. I love it. That's, yeah, I, I respect that. Um, you touched on Joe Brady. I think he's done. A, he did a great job in his first game. Ton of motion for, I think, the most since 2019. And yep. he, I, from what I – I loved the first drive, although it didn't work out. Actually, the first two drives, we started we, – we tried screen, the screen game. It didn't work great, but, you know, kept the Jets honest and it opened things up, I think, from there. We got Shakir involved nice early and often. I think Shakir is going to be a huge pivotal factor. If he has another great game, I think I think it's going to be an absolute shootout. But my take, 31-27, comes down to a last-minute last, last minute drive, Philly wins. Okay. Um I think that you guys are both right. This is going to be a very, it's going to be a close game, much like last night's was for Philly. It was, it was a close game throughout. I think that this Bills front four puts Hurts in a lot of bad situations. I don't, I'm still, I know Jalen, Jalen Hurts had the best game of his career probably in the Super Bowl in that loss. And he, that was like a lot of, dispelled a lot of notions of that. Can Hurts be a Superman? Can he carry them? But I have not seen it enough throughout his NFL career. And I have seen Superman on the other side. I was really worried if the Eagles were going to, and I'm a big, you know, let down game, emotions going into a game. 
I would have been a lot more worried if the Eagles lost that game to a Patrick Mahomes sure. last second drive. And then the Eagles are coming in kind of wounded and like, man, we really got to get back up with the Cowboys chasing us. But they had a lot of emotions after winning that game. You could see Nick Sirianni celebrating with Eagles fans after and just the way that that team celebrated this victory on a short week with this Bills team coming in. And this Bills team's got to be feeling good this week. I mean, they've to have that win and not, not just winning a game, but the way it went to see the quarterback excited the way he was and just be, like we talked about last week, they feed off of the, his energy and they need to be high in high energy. They are a vibes team. They're a team that needs to have some variance and play off their emotion because that's what they've been best at the last couple of years. So I think they're going to come in confident and I think that they're going to come in with a good game plan to maybe not stop. Like you said, AJ Brown is going to probably have some, uh, probably have a nice game. The Bills have had some issues with wide receiver one uh, throughout Sean McDermott's tenure. But I think even if A.J. Brown has a big game, I think they can shut down Smith. With Goddard out is a huge loss because uh, just affecting the the way that Hurts kind of works through his progressions and everything else. I think they do enough to slow him down. I don't think Hurts will be able to run the ball as effectively. He just looks hampered. And I think this Bills offense has been different this year. Uh, it looked different last week, and we'll keep that up. I've got the Bills 27-24. It's the opposite in overtime. It's the opposite of last year's t- – of the Tampa game from two years ago, where that's what this feels like going into it, where the Bills were like, ah, we don't know where they are. Like, they really need to get rolling on a win here. And while that one was a very encouraging effort and a loss, I think this one – gets the Bills hype train fully rolling going into the bye week and a huge matchup with Casey. But I got 27-24. Love it. Sounds good. All right. We paid the Bills. Now, everybody uh, have a great Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you both. Hope you have some great meals, some great football on Thursday. And uh, it's going to be a long wait till Sunday, that's for sure. But I cannot wait to see how this game plays out. But for Mike... Carson, this is Jake Micah. Good night now. Go Bills. Go Bills.